I don't know if you could catch the video or not this morning, but the, the person that was trying to get in and the person that was taking care of the inside of the gate was the same person. And what does that mean? Is that we are the gatekeeper of our life. And we are the gatekeeper. And sometimes we have to let some th- keep some things out that we want to bring in. And so we, there's that tension between what does it mean to be a gatekeeper? This is the final in this series that we're calling Gatekeeper. And today I want to try to find the, the answer to this question. How do we equip this inner gatekeeper? How do we strengthen that person that God has put within us to guard us from things that would bring destruction and to make us strong? How can we be consistent and how can we be effective as that gatekeeper? That's the question I want to try to answer today. And the first point that I want to give you is this. Our inner gatekeeper is strengthened by the, this phrase, the riches of His glory. I looked at what Paul wrote much in the New Testament through several of his letters. He would use that phrase fairly often through the riches of His glory. Like in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says like this, the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience. And he said this in Romans 11, 13. Uh, 33, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He goes on and he'll say that often, the riches and the glory of the Lord. One of the, these are the things that come to strengthen that gatekeeper within us, to give, it some, give him or her some muscle and strength to keep some things out that are trying to push into our lives and then to open the door and receive the things that the Lord has for us to do. Uh, what are these riches? What are the glories? And I took through, went through Paul's writings and I made a list of some things that he would use when he talked about God's riches. Here's what I found. Kindness. He says, when you have received the riches of God, which is the kindness of God, then it strengthens us to have a kindness to others. When, now, if we let the opposite in, the gate of our life, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite of kindness is negativity. See, because that one's knocking on our door all the time. Find being critical. Uh, and that, when we let that critical spirit in, our gatekeeper has let something in that weakens us. It is not the riches and the grace of God, but it is that concept of His kindness. And he says, forbearance. Self-control, restraint, tolerance, those are, when the gatekeeper lets those in, it is the riches of, and the glory of God. People who have the ability to forbear our bad behavior. You know, when we are upset or whatever, and they are, have this forbearance, this ability to accept it and love us in spite of it, that's a God kind of love, and it strengthens our inner man. He talked about patience in the riches of God, the the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the fruits of the Spirit. Those are all gifts of the glory of God, riches of the glory of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance. All of those things that we let in is the riches and the glory of the Lord. And that's this one I like. He meets all of your needs. According to his riches in glory. Hear that? He meets all of our needs according to his riches in glory. 
Kara, I don't know how he's going to pay for that car. But he is going to provide for what we need for a breakdown that should not happen. I believe that. And that is, the, that is the riches of the glory of the Lord. And you know to do that, we have to fight against this flesh man. I don't know about yours. Mine wars against God. My flesh man in its natural design wars against God. I'm prone to negativity. I'm prone to faithlessness. I'm prone to run and not stand. I'm prone to be the opposite of what God is wanting to do within me. I know I struggle with that. And the walking in the Spirit is the when we do this. I've come to believe about myself. I don't know if this will be true with you. Don't act upon your first natural action or reaction. Because it's usually, for me, flesh. My first reaction to an issue is not good and it is not godly. So, what I'm saying to you, that doesn't make us bad. Is, uh, well, maybe it does. <laughs> maybe. But what I'm saying is, if we can learn one of the steps to walking in the riches of the glory of God is just don't act initially out of our flesh. Because it's either, you know, we we're going we're gonna to fight, we're going to come out mean, or we're going to fly. We're going to run. One of those two options in the flesh, man. Just take a minute, take a breath at the, when something hits. Take a breath and say, God, what do you want to do in this? Because if we don't, that's when we hurt people. That's when we use our words to damage people. It's when we speak out of the flesh, opposite of faith. We'll be speaking fear over people's life and over our own life. Unless we take a breath and say, wait a minute. God, what do you want to do in this time, in this moment? And then begin to function out of the riches of His Spirit. You know what it's called? Walking in the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that you walk in perfection. It means that you put this flesh man down and say, sit down, be quiet a minute. And let's let what God is wanting to do happen right here. And it's never in a good moment. It's always in an awful crisis moment. We got to flesh man, sit down, shut up. Now, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to speak to this? How do you want me to function in this place that's walking in the spirit? There's a few verses over the years that have become my go-to. And mine's probably, my, my go-to is more demanding maybe than yours because my flesh man is so strong in the negative. But here's what I go to in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Bring your thoughts captive to the Word of God. First thing, first thing I personally have to do is to try to not pay attention to what's happening in my crisis but bring my thoughts back captive to the Word of God. What does God's Word say about this? When I'm facing this, what does God say? Facing death. Facing death of a loved one. You know, my, my natural thing would be to probably raise my hand to God in anger. But then I have to go back, what does His Word say? Well, although you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. My rod, my staff are going to comfort you. 
I'm preparing a table before you in the presence of my enemies. You're anointing my head with oil. Do you see the difference between my war against him and what he's actually doing? It's two different things. One will lead to death of myself or a curse from me to somebody else. Or I can come back to the word of God and I can say, God, in this place that I'm breaking, every part of me is broken to the end of myself. You're doing this good work. Do you see how it flips it? How it changes it? My second scripture I go to is Philippians 3.14. Forgetting what is behind. Because one of the things that I fight in my flesh is failure. Past failure. Past sin. Where I messed up. I made the wrong decision. I said the wrong thing. An action that I took was against the will of God. And if I'm not careful, the enemy will continually come back to me sitting on my shoulder, tapping me on the ear, saying, remember, remember how bad, dumb, ignorant, whatever I am. He's trying to remind me of my failure. Why is he wanting to do that? Well, this scripture says, forget what is behind. Oh, I love this about our God. I love this. When we bring all of that to him, and we confess that. God, you know what I did. You know what I said. You know the thoughts that I had. You know how I behaved badly. And I ask you, God, I'm confessing that. Please forgive me. I can come back and 10 minutes later and say, God, remember what we were talking about? And he doesn't. He doesn't remember. He says, I take your sin and I cast it as far away from me as the east is from the west. I'll take your sin and I bury it in the depths of the sea to where I'll remember it against you no more. Is that good news? So, forgetting what is behind, I press on to the high calling of Jesus Christ. Well, if we could just hear that. If we could just receive that. Forget. Forgetting all of our past. Your sin, and even forget the sin that was done against you. Forget it. And then press on to the high calling that God has on your life in Jesus Christ. That was my second. James chapter 3 verse 2 is my third one. Keep your words without fault. A lot of our sin is based upon what we say in the flesh. Isn't it? Hurt people. Complain, gripe, moan. We say things that we shouldn't say. We hurt people out of our own hurt. And if we keep our words mastered, matter of fact, the scripture even says if you don't talk a lot, people will think you're smart. It's only when we open our mouth that they know what's really on the inside. So there is this issue of bringing your mouth under control. Remember, he's talked about the bit. This is James. He talks about the bit in the horse's mouth. It's a small thing compared to the horse, but it controls the whole direction of the horse. Or the rudder of a ship, James goes on to talk about. It's a small thing in comparison to the ship, but wherever it turns, it turns the entire boat wherever it's to go. He says, so is the, your tongue. It's a small member, but if you'll manage it, bring it under control, let nothing come out of it but life, because the power here, I don't understand this completely, but he says that the power here is that I can either bless you with it or I can curse you with it. 
I can speak life with it or I can speak death with it. What do we do? James says, bring it under control. So you're in the midst of a crisis and you want to walk in the Spirit? Stop talking until you can go back and remember what God's Word says and bring your words in alignment with what God says. That's the, that's the third thing. And the fourth thing to me is Hebrews 11.6. Act in faith, bringing truth. Speak life and speak blessing. Boy, that'd change a lot of our problems. If we could just apply some method, some skills, some biblical skills into managing this flesh, then we would be the type of, type of people that would strengthen the inner gatekeeper by his riches and of his glory. Let's look at the second thing. How do we equip and strengthen the inner gatekeeper? It's strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to look at a, a little bit in, in this section of Scripture. Our inner gatekeeper is strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit. For this reason, I kneel, this is Paul, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, there it is again, there's Paul's glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power, and you all probably know that that word power in much of the New Testament is the word dunamis, dunamai, depends on the... uh, which use it is, we get the word dynamite from that word. In other words, it is a power, explosive, internally explosive power. And strengthen you with dunamis through the Holy Spirit in your inner being or in your inner gatekeeper, so to speak. There is a power that comes from God that lets us do that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. How is something strengthened? Let's go back to the physical man. How is something strengthened? Good friend of mine, Scott Lewis, is a was Mr. Missouri sometime in the past. Uh, weightlifter, bodybuilder kind of guy. He's gotten older like me now. He does legacy building. I saw he was doing a business now. He's no longer building up the huge muscles, but just trying to stay healthy for all of us. How is something strengthened? Here's what he would say. It's got to have the basics. got to get healthy food. It's got to have water. It's got to have exercise. It says we are to be built up. Muscles are strengthened by repetitive resistance work. And if your body, for example, if you hurt a a hip or a knee or something and you're unable to walk for a season, that leg, the muscles of that leg will actually shrink and will what they atrophy. It'll actually become weaker. The only thing that strengthens the muscle is exercise, is using those muscles with resistance. And so that's kind of what we're looking at here, how something is strengthened and what we're trying to figure out. Dunamai is the very thing God promised 
His disciples. And it means I'm going to give you strength, I'm going to give you power, and I'm going to give you ability. But to have it, you've got to have the right nutrients. I've told you this, that there are gifts of God for the body of Christ. There are ministering gifts, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the ability to discern or to even discern spirits that are at work among people. There are ministering gifts. There are motivational gifts of the Spirit that talk about that you will be motivated by mercy or administration or leadership or teaching or giving. There's about seven and nine of those various kinds of gifts that we talk about. And as if you've been given these gifts, it's dunamis, a power to function. Now what happens if you are a member of the body of Christ and you're one of those muscles or one of those functions and you don't exercise that muscle, it atrophies. This body as a church weakens. And you know this, let's just say, have you ever hit your little toe in the dark of night? Amen to that. Have you noticed how much attention that little thing can give your whole body when it's not working right and it just got hurt? Well, think about that within the body of Christ. Some little part of us is injured or just not functioning. And that muscle atrophies up. Does it affect the rest of the body? Absolutely. Let your little toe tell you in the middle of the night. It will hurt the entire body. That's why I keep encouraging us to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Our flesh man is not pretty. We'll, it, now, it will act, try to act pretty. It'll try to dress itself up and be important. But it is not. By nature, it's ugly. And we have to learn to crucify, Jesus said, the flesh. Take up your cross. Follow me. And if you, as he says, if you'll follow me, I'm going to give you dunamis power. Your muscles can get strong. Gifts of healing. Boy, we need it, don't we? If you don't need it this week, there's a good chance you're going to need it next week. That's how this body functions. And there's a lot of healing gifts in this church. There is a lot. There's a lot of teaching gifts in this church. There's a lot of kindness and mercy that flows in and through and around this church. In those areas, you've got muscles. You're huge. You've got huge old built-up muscles. Keep exercising them because they need to function. In other words, don't stop. Don't back up and say, well, I'm a little tired today. Push through that and minister in the way you've been called to minister to in that day. Because as you build up, the rest of us can build up in that strength. Vicki and I bought our grandkids a little green sports kind of car I don't you know about this big and it runs about way slow I mean, I'm talking about and when we first got it it doesn't I mean it looks awesome but there's a battery that's supposed to go in it and if you try to run that thing without a battery it's just pretty sitting there and useless kids are not even going to play with it but if you put the power source in the back of that little car it still is not very impressive except for the little bitty ones. 
but it'll, it'll start going and under power it begins to function. But without the dunamis, if we try to do the work, and I've done this, so I'm going to confess. If we try to do the work of ministry in the flesh, you know what it produces? Flesh. Did I tell you what flesh looked like a minute ago? It's ugly. We can even do, try to do godly things and make it and dress it up. I'm telling you, we can, know, we can figure out how to do it. If you do it enough, you can figure out how to do it. But what does it produce? Flesh. But if we come to the reality that this flesh has to be crucified, and then say, God, what do you want me to do? Ask for this anointing of the Spirit. Walk. And when the Lord says, like I've told you before, if the Lord says, go pray with this brother... Go do it. Don't wait for somebody to give you permission. That's the Spirit of God talking to you. If the Lord says take that $500, you didn't know what you were going to do with it, and say give it to that family, do it. It's re- you know why it builds your muscle? Because it's resistant to what your flesh will want to do. It will not want to do that. But if God tells you to do that, do it because He's got a thousand waiting to come in. He just supplies... For us walking by faith. I'm not saying give to get. I'm not, don't hear that. I'm just saying our God is good. And when we serve Him, you can't outgive Him. And that sounds like a tithe servant, but it isn't. You give, God provides. That's His promise. That's, that's strengthening the muscles of the body of Christ. And it's meeting the need of a person here. And you may not even know their need, but God says, take care of that. I want you to do it. And you're saying, God, no. That doesn't sound right to me. Because I was going to buy a fishing rod with that. He said, you do what I ask you to do. I'll take care of your fish. And he will. And you're going to never feel better than after you've done that. And you know you've obeyed God. There's nothing sweeter than that. Nothing sweeter. Our inner man, our inner gatekeeper is strengthened, number three, by a house, by a plant, and a measuring cup. That's weird. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. I want to show you these three things as we close. That you may dwell, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. There's the home through faith. And I pray... That you being rooted, there's the plant, you being rooted and established in love may have power, and that word is dunamis, internal dynamite power, together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure, measuring cup of the fullness of God. Three things. We've got to create this flesh to be a home. A home for the Holy Spirit. And the only way to do it, you can't dress it up, you can't exercise it up, you can't do anything other than to bring this contaminated flesh down in front of the cross of Christ. And we say, get before the cross of Christ. And say, Lord, I'm bringing to you this mess. My sin, my flesh, 
my failure, my bad thoughts, my bad mouth, my bad behaviors. I'm going to bring it to you before the cross. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Cleanse me from all of this sin. And then, Lord, let me be a house. Come and dwell. Come and dwell. Take over my house. Come and dwell. And then, Lord, changing analogies, make my roots go down deep into your love. Verse 17b. Rooted means let my roots be so built in you, Lord, that and in your love that I'm no longer questioning whether you love me or not. Everything I have is based on that. That you have forgiven me and loved me. And then this last one, the measuring cup. Did you see it? Being filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Walking in the Holy Spirit is being filled to the measure. Now you may be a teaspoon measure. You may be a quarter cup measure. You may be a cup measure. You may be a gallon measure. God made us differently. But he says that we walk to the fullness of whatever he's created us to be. Because I know there's one of the gifts that is called faith. Right? Faith has to have a measuring cup that's full. Because you can't function in faith if you're low on faith. So you, we walk and ask for the Lord for the fullness of the Spirit. So that when faith is required in a situation. And we speak in faith. We pray in faith. Our cup is full and pouring over the sides. And, and, he, and God says this, I'm not going to do anything. And I'm not going to be pleased with anything unless it's by faith. How's your cup today? Where's your roots today? And who inhabits your house today? Vicki, come on up. As we conclude this gatekeeper series, we've been trying to get established the importance of that gatekeeper within us, our role as gatekeeper for our family, the role as gatekeeper for the church, for the city, for the nation. And that only comes when we have come and brought ourselves before the Lord. Would you bow your head? Do you need to be strengthened by the riches of His glory today? Who dwells and who controls who's in charge of your house? If you don't know that Jesus is, and you'd like for me to, I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out or anything, but you want me to pray for you today because you have not ever turned over this, your life to the Lord. You've not yet brought your brokenness before the cross of Christ. But you want me to pray for you today. Would you just lift your hand where I can see it so I can pray for you? Okay, I see that. I see another one. Anybody else? Yep. Is anybody else? Lord, I want to ask right now to be with those that are raising their hand. Pray, Lord Jesus, you would touch their heart in such a way. This second, that you would draw them to your kingdom. Because, Lord, you don't condemn them. You, you bring them to salvation because of your goodness. Lord, let them on this day bring their brokenness to you. They'll find you enough. 
Lord, if they don't know you, I pray they'll open their heart, confess their sin, receive you into their life as the forgiver and the master controller of their life. In just a moment, if you raise your hand, we'll give you an opportunity to come and we'd love to pray with you. How many of you are believers, but your measuring cup is weak, is empty, or is not full where it needs to be? Can I see your hand that I can pray for you? Your cup is weak. Okay, that's happening all over here. Cup is empty and low. Life has just sucked it out of you. But on this day... Would you let me pray? Just leave your hand up just a minute. Lord, I want to pray right now that an action from your kingdom, Lord, would be sent to everyone. You see their hands by faith. I'm asking you on this day, Lord, for a filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there is something in their measuring cup of their life that displaces your spirit, show them right now. Show them what it is. Anger, rebellion, hurt, Whatever it is. Lord, let them pour that out before you. Let them dump that out in this altar this morning. And God, I pray that when they dump that out immediately, God, you, Lord, you come and fill up their heart. Fill up that measuring cup with your spirit. And we trust you with that. Who dwells in your house? Where are your roots planted? And what is your need today? We're going to sing a little song. We'll make this front end a place of prayer. And if you want to do business with God, come. I'm going to have some people who came ready to pray with you today. They ask that their cups be full so they can pray in faith with you. And they'll be here to pray with you. Lord, have your way with us.